Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and joining me on the line today from lovely Boston is the one and only Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. How are you? Uh, who's this? <laughs> uh, that was a good one, Evan. I like that. What's up, man? Uh Oh. It's Kevin. Um, did you do that whole thing again where you like to like pretend like I'm a guest and everything? Well, we're not pretending, Evan. I think that if you look back over the last year, you've been in the studio like maybe three times. Well, I try and avoid being around you whenever possible. Wow. Um, what's going on? Well, you know, I'm still looking up here at our summer hodgepodge whiteboard from last week. You know, it's a really busy place, and it's still up here. All all nine questions that you uh, that you had up there. Did you notice that that one of our fine listeners uh, suggested that that yes, we need to go on that road trip in August? Yes, one of our fine listeners. <laughs> just one, as a matter of fact. Maybe we should just say our fine listener. Uh, Maybe. Maybe it was all of them. Yeah, could have been collective thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I, yeah, I'm I'm still uh, I'm still uh, uh, pressing for that one. I think that'd be great. That'd be big, bigger than big. Other like than it. that, Evan, I got nothing going on. So, listen, it's been great talking to you. And uh, we'll, we'll... <laughs> listen, you're up there in Boston. You're having a good time. the the uh, The Rangers didn't look so good last night. Uh, no, the bats, as we like to say, were were quiet on Monday in Boston uh, to open that series up, and. Um, you know, it's just, for me, Kevin, it's another example of uh, not what's necessarily wrong with this team, but what is the real story in the American League, and that is that there are distinctly good teams and distinctly bad teams, and the Rangers played pretty well for a while against some distinctly bad teams, and they've played three games at this point in time in July against good teams, Houston and Boston, and they are 0-3 in those games. Yeah, the MLB is becoming the NBA. Uh, the, the the best players have migrated to uh, certain teams, and I'm sure that will continue to happen. And those are the those are the rich teams. And uh, look at a guy like J.D. Martinez, although that is amazing to me that he's got a contract. I believe it was five years, $110 million. Pretty, that's a pretty good rate for a guy who hits like he does. Um, he's, a, he's a tremendous uh, talent, and... And that's just somebody else they piled on top of all the other talent they have. Well, yeah, you know, Boston Boston got richer. The Yankees got richer by adding Stanton. Um, the Astros got richer by adding Cole. Uh, Cleveland really didn't have much competition in the um, Central. In the Central. Uh, and, you know, uh, that's really been a story, The if there's been, I guess if there's been a disappointment, it's been that the the Angels, um, after adding Otani to go with Trout, are just one game above 500 and 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 are in fourth place in the American League West uh, behind a, a hot Oakland team that's it's 11 games above 500. That uh, Oakland's been the the surprise. Uh, Oakland and Seattle have been the surprise on the plus side. The Angels have been somewhat of a disappointment, 
Um, but it, once again, just as a reminder that the Rangers are, are in the best division in, in uh, baseball. You know, they're, here's the deal. This team's 12 games under 500 uh, at this point in time. They're 12 games under 500 against their American League West opponents. And then if you take the other teams that uh, are, are, are playoff teams that, they, or that are currently holding playoff spots, Boston, uh, Cleveland, and uh, the Yankees, um, they are another four and seven. So they're they're 15 games under 500 uh, against the, the the good teams in, in the American League, and, and they're above 500 against everybody else. Yeah, and that's not going to change anytime soon either. Uh, we're we're coming up here on the trade deadline in three weeks. Uh, the Rangers have already made a trade. Uh, you and I have talked about that deal, and I wrote about it in a column for today. Um, and uh, that was a. Uh, and, and who knows how Jason Barr turns out, uh, just like any prospect. But what we liked about it was the fact that uh, the Rangers got a little creative here and said, we'll take on these bad contracts, uh, uh, and in, in exchange for that, we want this prospect, who was considered a pretty pretty good prospect. He's doing, He was doing well anyway uh, for the Giants, and, uh, and now he's the property of the Rangers, a guy who – who might be able to uh, you might be able to see in the back of the rotation uh, by 2020. Yeah, and I, I I think if you look at it this way, the um, uh, the club has has essentially taken on about at this point about 5.2 million dollars with the additions of of Austin Jackson's contractual commitment and uh, Corey Gearin's. Um, they they feel like Gearin, uh, who is uh, under the arbitration um, clock through next year uh, is worth the investment. He may be a guy that, that fits into their bullpen for, for the foreseeable future. He might be a guy that they, that uh, if he shows that he can get some right-handers out here in the next couple of weeks, maybe he's able to be flipped for in a minor deal um, or, you know, potentially be part of the, the mix next year in the bullpen. So the about, Seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars that's left in Gearin's contract, they feel is is a, is a fine investment. It leaves you with about four, about four point five million that's left in Austin Jackson. Um, so, so essentially, right now they've paid about four point five million dollars for Jason Barr, and and the way they look at it is, you know, I, I think I think the easy way to look at it would be okay is is. Four and a half million dollars was about what the number ten pick in in uh, uh, the draft signed for. So is he a uh, is he um, worth that? And um, in, in talking to John Daniels yesterday, he, uh, he gave me a, a much better, I think, um, demonstration. And that is, it's not the signing bonuses; those are all assigned. It's um, the ability to take that pick. How much is that worth? You know, would the first pick in the draft be worth uh, twenty million? Yeah, a team would probably pay twenty million for that. Would the um, would a would a middle first round pick be worth ten million? Yeah, a team would probably pay pay that much for it. So, so they feel it's, it's the, the four and a half million that they may end up being out um, in order to get Jason Barr if they have to eat Austin Jackson's contract. They feel like to pay that amount of money uh, for the ability to then have. Uh, Add add talent to add a, a high level draft pick. Um, that is that's well worth the money. 
Yeah, this is a little bit what we talked about uh, with the Shinsu Chu deal, if the, if the Rangers were able to negotiate a deal with someone in which essentially they pick up 80% of his contract or more, uh, and, and, and essentially what you're doing is uh, you're, you're buying prospects in that kind of deal too, if you can get someone to give you a prospect or two. Uh, for him uh, so uh, this is to me what the Rangers have to do they have to pursue these kinds of things because let's face it there's not a lot else they can do to add to this uh, to this roster or to the organization other than draft picks and and uh, whatever they're going to attract in free agency because obviously they're not going to go after much right now they, they're not they don't feel like they're close and I would agree with them on that now uh, so, uh, to me, these are the things they need to do because they need to add talent, uh, and especially talent, uh, toward the, 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 the top of the farm system. They believe they have talent on the bottom. We'll, we'll have to wait and see if that's really true or not, but they certainly need somebody who's going to be competing, uh, for roster spots in 2019 and 2020. Yeah. And I, I don't know that they'll, um, that they will be able to get somebody like that in any of the deals that they may make this um, this year. Uh, I think we'll, we'll we'll wait and see how that plays out. Um, but add, uh, to your point, the idea of just trying to be creative with how you add talent. You know, they they didn't get Otani, so they went out and they spent two point eight million dollars on uh, on Julio Pablo Martinez. Um, they uh, they, as do most teams, they used the overage that they they can play with a little bit in draft picks to try and get a couple extra guys signed, and and you know they had about three hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars that they could add to that budget before they really got into any penalties where they might lose future picks or anything like that, and so they did it. You know they paid seventy five percent on that. Um, and to add a couple extra guys in the draft, uh, they will they will gladly pay money um, on these remaining guys that they deal in order to up the level of return. Uh, and I think that's all that's all smart. You know, it's the the idea right now is is accruing talent, and you have to look for any way that you can to exploit the market to to find that young talent and. Since there are real restrictions on the draft and the international, um, the international bonus money that you can pay guys, uh, buying prospects is is one of is one of those ways, and and that's what they're that's what they're doing. Evan, I know you're in Boston, but did you just say idea instead of idea? No, I did not, Kevin. That's what I heard. You've kind of become the Meghan Markle of sports writers now and that you're adapting to your, uh, your, your climate a little, a little too much. I think I would never do that, Kevin. I mean, I'll be going over to the ball yacht later this afternoon. <laughs> um, uh, after I have some, I may have a cup of chowder and, uh, some lobster. Lobster and, a, and I'll expect a wicked good game tonight between some really fine teams. Uh, that's a, isn't that the the best? Uh, uh, what, what what was that movie? What was that movie with? Uh, oh, I, I've completely lost myself now. My boy is wicked smart. Uh, that was what Casey Affleck said. Uh, in um, I think that was Manchester by the Sea. No, that was not. It was that it was the movie with. Uh, uh, 
you know, that uh, that Ben Affleck. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. That's it. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for coming through for us there. Yeah, that was a great line from Casey Affleck. My boy is wicked smart. Um, okay. So, Evan, uh, first of all, let me just say this, and we discussed this last week. Uh, you sound like you got your dauber down. Is your dauber down? No, I've got three family members still somewhat in um, degrees of slumber. Their flight has been delayed. So, Oh, um, no. And you were so hoping to be rid of them by now, weren't you? Uh, I'm not going to comment on that, Kevin. Um, <laughs> but, oh, um, man. But flight delayed. They've been, uh, they've been worn out by four days here in Boston, and... Um, they were hoping to get back on a flight and head back this morning, and um, they've been a little bit way late here, so I was trying not to make too much of a ruckus. I'm sure when I get off this phone call, I'll hear just quite how loud I actually was from yeah. my little group of reviewers. Oh, I, I think that they're going to say that that was unbelievable and really interesting, too. Wow. The stuff that you know and the stuff that you say is just phenomenal. That's what my yeah. kids say phenomenal. to me all the time, you know. Phenomenal. That's me. I'm phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. So, Evan, uh, so so what's so what's going on with the Rangers these days, other than trying to find a, a trade partner or two? Is this is, this, is there any any developments that we should uh, be looking for? Um, you know, here's one thing uh, that I would say it strikes me as somewhat interesting is, um, you know, if you look at uh, if you look at the Round Rock uh, roster. Um, and uh, we've spent all year talking about Willie Calhoun, Willie Calhoun. Um, Willie Calhoun was bypassed this past week when um, there were some names that needed to be added to the uh, to the AAA All-Star game. Um, you know who wasn't bypassed was Scott Heineman. I knew you were going to bring up um, Scott Heineman. You are a Scott Heineman fan. You know, and... Um, Here's the deal on Scott Heineman is he's he's more defensively accomplished. Um, well, that, that kind of goes – you could line up people and say that. Sure, sure. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's having a better year at AAA this year than, than Calhoun. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm starting to wonder if, uh, if Heineman has – you know, Heineman can also play some center field in a pinch too. Uh, so I'm, I'm starting to wonder if uh, if Heineman has potentially caught Calhoun in the Rangers' uh, prospect hierarchy. You know, right now I think the big difference is the batting averages is, is, are pretty close, um, but but Heineman's got a, a, almost a 50 50 point advantage in, in OPS, and uh, I think that's significant right now. Um, it, it's a I, I think. Overall, it's a good development for the Rangers because I think that there's still no question that Willie Calhoun is a is a legitimate major league prospect. But I think it it shows that there's there's some competition for Calhoun, and I think it also shows that uh, that at the upper level of the um, of the system, Heineman has turned himself into a legitimate major league major league prospect. So if if he is that, then then what what are the Rangers going to do to unclog their situation here at the at the major league level? Because there's no place for him, uh, and, and unless unless they're going to bring him up uh, in in place in place of Ryan Rua, um, who who frankly uh, for for the kind of role that you're giving Ryan Rua, I, I don't really see the point of bringing up a prospect like um, 
like Willie Calhoun or or Scott Heineman, either one. They, they, they're they're, they're going to come I, up and not going to play enough uh, to help their development. I think when you bring one of those guys up, you're going to bring them up with the idea that, that they're going to pay play more regularly. The um, the thing that, that Heineman offers you that, that Calhoun does not at this point is that um, Heineman's a right-handed hitter, you know, and we, we look at the team a lot of times and we wonder if they're a little bit imbalanced on the left-hand side. So that gives that gives Heineman something of of, of the uh, of a slight advantage. Um, I I think the other thing that, that plays in Heineman's advantage is, you know, if you go with the line of the shield as your center fielder in long term. Heineman could be a, a backup center fielder and also play the other two corners, um, which is something Calhoun can't do. So there's a way for him to kind of improve his, uh, not improve, but earn more playing time there. Um, uh, I, I think ultimately, look, if, if the Rangers want to find playing time for these guys, they will. Um, uh, whether it's, whether it's getting some DH at bats in place of, of, of Chew later in the year, even if they don't trade Chew, uh, if it's you know sending uh, sending Rua back and, and forcing one of them into the lineup in, in left field with with Gallo um, playing some first base, and, and the other thing is you know I mean at some point in time Joey Gallo's got to got to show some some significant adjustments. He has not. His numbers are, are very much in line with where they were at this point in time last year, um, which to me is, is a step backward. Uh, it's not simply treading water. Uh, the batting average and, and, and OBP are, are, are well below where they should be. So, uh, you know, I don't know that I, I, I think that it would be surprising if the Rangers send Joey down to the minor league at some point in time this season. But I certainly don't think it would be out of the realm of possibilities of things that might happen before this year is over. Because the Rangers, if he's going to be a part of the long-term future, the Rangers have got to make sure that, that this guy is capable of, of, uh, of being an offensive weapon in more, in more facets than just, you know, swinging big for, for, uh, for a home run. I, I thought last night in a pinch hitting role, you know, when the Rangers needed him to make contact, I thought the, the third strike in particular in a strikeout was you know, pulled way off the ball. It was way too big of a swing with, with two strikes. And uh, I think those are the kind of things Rangers need to, to get him to correct. You know, uh, I've been round and round in this thing about Joey over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he just looked completely lost. And uh, you, you could just see it. It was, uh, it was brutal to, to watch him. Um, and then last year he showed so much progress and uh, was laying off pitches and taking walks and, and you know you can live with that you can live with a, with a two twenty average if the guy's going to have an uh, you know an OBP of of, of three thirty or three forty or something like that um, when he has that kind of power uh, and then this year he's just gone backwards again and and you know it, it makes you know as on the one hand I, I want to say listen you're six five. Uh, and two, uh, what does Joey go about 240, 250? Uh, he's a, he's a big guy. He doesn't need to, to take that big of a swing. You know, when, when you're as big and strong as he is, it's just not necessary to do that. Now I realize that's what he's used to and that's what he's always done. Um, uh, but I, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm a little torn saying that, do I really want to retool his swing and make him go down and take, you know, shorten his swing up a little bit 
and 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 make him go the opposite way some more and be a little bit more like Mazzara, a swing a little bit more along those lines. Not not that drastic a difference, but something a little different. Or do I just want him to to just to go back and work more on that pitch selection and and uh, and trying to be a little more judicious as he was last uh, year? And and I and I and certainly that seems a more uh, agreeable thing to do. I'm, I'm sure for him. Uh, I just I'm just not sure where he stands and where the organization stands with him. Yeah, I, I think it's a you know I think it's a really good question that's going to play out here, um, and I think at some point in time, you know, with Rugnet Odor, um, I think the Rangers got to a point where he had been bad for a long enough period of time um, in multiple in multiple ways. Um, and they also had two guys in Kiner Falefa and, and Profar who were playing well. Um, and, and I think they had some leverage to, to kind of go to them and say, you know, it's now or never, Ricky. Um, and, and I think you've seen, you know, a real change in the way this guy has approached the game. Uh, I don't want to say that he's changed how he prepares for games, but I think he's been, as he said, I think it's a little bit easier for him to absorb information now and, he seems a little bit more focused on, on how he's putting that stuff to play. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes with guys you have to get to a point where where the game kind of breaks them all the way down before they're willing to make changes. Uh, I don't know if the Rangers are reaching that point or if Joey Gallo has reached that point or if the Rangers feel like, you know, they, they do have the ability to bring up a Calhoun or, or a Heineman and say, okay, we've got somebody that we can put in his place Um that will will send a message to him that hey his spot here is not is not guaranteed, but uh, I I think that you know there is going to have to be some kind of a big intersection uh, in in his career that he's going to come to and and have to be forced to make adjustments. Uh, some guys do it, um, some guys don't, and uh, there's no question about how well his his power plays. But he's he's got to show uh, better plate discipline than he showed so far this year, um, and he's got to show more ability to to exploit when uh, opponents are giving him free hits. You know, they're they, they they're giving him the left side of the infield. He's just got to figure out a way how to take it. Yeah, he he does. Um, I want to talk about someone else here that's it's it's been intriguing to me this year, and I, I just can't figure this guy out. Uh, and and that is Jerkson Profar, who who we have said, and you and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, I I don't think he's an everyday shortstop. Um, defensively, he's really struggled this year. He he struggles in a lot of ways, mostly on his throws. Getting you know the the the, the double clutching. You know, I don't understand it. Getting the ball out of his glove. Uh, it's looked a little better recently, but the thing that's really impressed me lately is that you look at his numbers. Uh, he's got nine home runs. I think he leads the team in doubles. Um, and he has raised his, uh, um, his OPS to, I believe something like 777, which we were talking earlier in the year and it was 720, which was not nearly good enough, obviously. And he's, mm-hmm. so he's raised it. He's raised it 50 points. They're going to have to make a decision about Jerks at some point because he's out of options after this year. And uh, um, I, I, what what do they do with him? Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question. Um, 
it wouldn't surprise me um, if he went to a team as a contender, as a utility guy in, in a trade to, to really sweeten the pot. Um, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the Rangers long-term try and, and uh, for lack of a better term, kind of force a, a, uh, a super utility guy in the infield. I don't know that you can do that if you're going to carry both him and uh, Connor Falefa. And Connor Falefa, yeah, you know. But um, the OPS certainly for the last two months is, is plays well. It's it's over 800 um, since June one. Um, as he continues to play, uh, it, it gets better and better. And um, he's he's sitting there since June one with a 356 on base percentage and an 830 OPS and. And that'll play even with with the defensive um, deficiencies in the infield. Um, uh, he's he's sitting there right now on on a pace for for darn near close to twenty home runs. And uh, you want to see the defense improve because I think uh-huh. that the defense has been a real deficiency for this club. But he has become a uh, at least a viable offensive uh, piece. Yeah, he's become pretty much offensively what you they were always hoping he would be. This is this is you're, we're not seeing the defense, but we're seeing the offense now. I think what they thought of him when they when they were uh, when he was uh, the toast of baseball. This is going to be a shortstop going to hit 20, 25 home runs. Uh, a, a guy that uh, you know with with some pop and uh, and and he's going to be able to do uh, a lot of stuff. Now he still, you know, obviously doesn't run that well, and he and uh, and he's not feeling that well. Uh, and and I don't think that super utility role fits him nearly as well as it fits Isaiah Kainafalefa. I don't think he likes it. I think he wants he wants to play every day, and he wants to play a middle infield position. And um, and I, it, it just the the interesting thing to me is if 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 Elvis Andrus is going to uh, if there's any doubt about Elvis coming back. Uh, long term and being the the, uh, the Rangers shortstop, then then they've got to consider: uh, Do we have another option at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that he certainly, if if Elvis is not going to be back next year, and I do think Elvis will be back, I don't think that the opt out is is going to come into play this year. That's just my just my guess at this point, um, based on the circumstances out there. Um, uh, but uh, I, I, I would disagree with you a little bit on this. I think now that he's playing every day, I think the idea that he's playing some at second, some at third, even some at first, uh, I think he's he's been okay with it. He looks happy on the field. He looks like he is really um, enjoying the opportunity to play. And you know, the, as, as we talked about the OP, the OBP, uh, you look at look at the top 10 shortstops in baseball and everybody's got an OBP above three of, of 350 or better. Um, right. And, and, you know, the, the numbers are, the numbers are good for him, but they've, they, they've got to continue to improve. He is pressing, he is pushing for among the top 10 and in, in OPS among shortstops. And, but there's still nine guys that have 800 OPSs or, or, or better uh, as shortstops. So, um, yeah, that's uh, he's he's pushing towards what would be top tier, top top third numbers as a shortstop um, offensively. Uh, but you also look at guys like Machado and Lindor and 
in, in Bogarts and Crawford and Correa and Segura and Simmons, and those are all guys who are also, to go with an 800 OPS, they're all guys who are defensive assets as well. No, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not saying that uh, that Jerks and Bogarts uh, is the answer at shortstop. I'm, I'm, I'm merely saying that if, if Elvis Andrus uh, does opt out, then the, the Rangers need to have some kind of fallback position. Um, oh, I, I mean, I think I think he's he's a solid fallback position if, if Elvis Andrus opts out. But the thing is, it's still a short term thing because he'll have he, he can be a free agent after uh, 2020. Right. So um, it's not like it's not like the Rangers would have a uh, long term control over him either. So that, that's why I, I feel like if, if somebody came to the Rangers and said, "Okay, we." We want to make a trade for whether it's Hamels or Beltre or, or somebody, and, and, and said we also like this guy who might you know be a good utility guy for us this year and might be our everyday second baseman or shortstop next year. Um, then that would be something the Rangers would have to consider. But uh, Profar is certainly he certainly increased his value this year. Let's just I think that's the the easiest thing to say. Yeah, whether he's whether he's proven himself to be an everyday um, shortstop on a championship level team, I don't. I don't think we would say that right now. But I think he certainly um, pushed himself higher. Yeah, we're, we're what we're seeing here from the Rangers is is that they're adding to the uh, to the to the things that they you know I don't, whether it was a stated mission or not. They're adding to what the the mission statement was that uh, you know. Let's find out about these young guys. So they're starting to find out a little something now. You you, you found you're finding out about Isaiah Connor Falefa who came out of left field. Who would have thought you know that all of this would have happened with him? He's played very well. Uh, you're you're finding about Jose Leclerc who to me is really developing into something special as a reliever uh, and certainly in the role that they have him in. I prefer him in that. In that eighth inning role where he comes in, you know, with runners on base, over, you know, starting out the ninth as a closer, I, that's such an overblown to me, uh, you know, position. Um, I'd much rather have a guy who who's not letting inherited runners score, which is the case with Leclerc. So, and and, and then you know, Keone Kellis had a, had a breakout season as as a closer as well, you know. So they they are starting to expand a little bit in finding out. Who these guys are, uh, and and I think that is the that is the one thing you can say about this season so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that Leclerc has been as positive a uh, development as, as any this year, um, particularly because of the number of times he's pitched in really high leverage situations. Um, I think Kella in the closer's role has look. He's twenty two for twenty two in in, in, in saves in save opportunities and the, he's supposed to get those last three outs and that's what he has done. Um, again, I don't know what the, the long term is for him because he will have four years of service after this year. He can be a free agent, uh, after 2020. Do you need that kind of closure for the next two years? Or is he somebody that you can turn into a legitimate piece of a deadline? Um, these are all things, you know, the Rangers are in a place where they're, They've got to look at trading some some fairly uh, young major leaguers as well to continue to um, to churn that that uh, that prospect of the farm system into something that's going to be uh, very productive and and more time to when it can 
uh, maximize the talent that's there. Yeah, I think you need to be careful when you walk that line of, uh, you know, of who, who you're going to give up and, and who are you going to keep, uh, you know, because, uh, as we know, this team's going nowhere over the next couple of years. Um, it, it does give you time to do something with these guys. They're not blocking the progress of, of anybody except in the outfield uh, and I, or at DH if we're going to talk about Willie Calhoun. So uh, I, I do think that, uh, you know, if you go back and look at what this organization has done and, and trading some of these prospects, and at some point I want to put together a little, a little team of guys who have been uh, uh, traded or were left exposed to Rule 5 drafts and, and find out just exactly what they have lost and what they could have had. Um, but you don't. I don't want to say, oh, we, you need to be patient with these guys. That you, you say that all the time, and then you end up uh, the guy never does anything. Um, but they are still young, and and you aren't going anywhere, and you do need to make adjustments with these guys, and you do need to do something with Joey Gallo, and you, maybe you do need to turn up the heat on him a little bit uh, with uh, somebody else who's going to come out there and play, too, uh, whether that's Scott Heineman or Willie Calhoun or whoever it is. Um, but you're going to have to live with these guys a little bit, too. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's growth involved, and I, you know, I, I think that look, Gallo is still part of the long term, the long term future, but um, there may need to be some corrections made. Um, there may need to be some some um, uh, with Willie Calhoun. Look, the Rangers expect an elite hitter, not just a good hitter, and and maybe their their message to him right now is you're going to have to demonstrate that you're elite. Uh, to, to find your way to the big leagues so that when you do get here, you're part of a championship uh, caliber caliber club. And we also want to see your defense maximum, at least reach its maximum. You know, it, you may never be a great defender, but we need to see you be closer to major league, major league average. And we, um, uh, how, how's he doing in the outfield? Uh, you know, I keep hearing okay. Um, I don't know that that's, uh, maybe that's damning with faint praise. You know, I, I just haven't heard anything that indicates he's he's been out outstanding out there. Yeah, he's not going to um, be outstanding, right? And, and so that's you know, I mean, look, the line of the shields took took huge steps forward as a infielder turned outfielder defensively over the last three years. I don't think Willie Calhoun's got the tools to do what Delano has done, but. Still got some growth. He's still got some areas where he can grow. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to to nitpick a little bit here. The, one of the things I've noticed about Delino uh, in the outfield, and he has made unbelievable strides. And uh, really, what you what you like about it, besides the speed, obviously, is his routes are better. But also, the, he's playing it pretty fearlessly too. I mean, he's really uh, bellying up for balls, running into walls, doing a lot of stuff. To do himself some damage out there. One of the things I've noticed, though, is that Delano has a little bit of trouble pocketing that ball when he catches it, and it, and I think it, it was going to cause him some problems at, at times. And I'm, and some of the things that I noticed is that he seems to use an awfully small glove. I've never asked him about that. But for an outfielder, uh, that's a small glove. It almost looks like he's taking his infielder's glove out there with him. Um, okay. Thanks for that, Evan. Thanks for backing me up I, on that. 
Uh, yeah, I, I have not asked him about relative size of his glove. And, you know, I mean, there's – look, I think that, you know, you talk to some scouts and, and they will tell you that there are there are some balls that, that he catches that look great that probably should be a little bit more routine. Um, but I, we live in a metric-based world now, and, you know, you look at every metric that there is, and, and the lino comes up as, as if not the best. Uh, having the best season among defensive center fielders, certainly um, in the top three. Uh, you know, I, I go back to citing fan graphs and run saved, and and he's you know at, at 14, which is the bo- most in the big leagues. Um, you go to the defensive WAR element, and he is uh, he's at, at, at uh, 7.2, which is third in the big leagues behind Lorenzo Cain and, and Leonis Martinez. So. Um, uh, if those, if uh, I think there's still a long way to go with defensive metrics, I think it's it's very much a, a subjective kind of uh, field. But um, I, I think right now, with what we have, the indications are that that this guy has has, has come a long, long way. And I, I'm you know I'm okay with a with a center fielder using a smaller glove if, if he's comfortable with it and he makes the catches. Uh, he after all, you know he. He doesn't have huge hands. He he is a and he is a former second baseman, um, and he learned you know he, he learned with a, with an infielder's love when it came to when it came to fielding balls. Now, I think the biggest thing he's had problems with have been on charging a couple balls uh, that that seem to snake on him, and uh, they they've hit off the glove. Now, whether that's a glove issue or whether that's in the way he charges it, I'm not. I don't think I'm educated enough to make that determination, but that would be the biggest nit that I'd have to pick with him right now. I, I, I just think that that for a team that has not had good defensive outfield play over the last couple of years, he has been a significant improvement. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, there's a lot of things in in the outfield. You know, he's awfully fast, but what you have to remember as an outfielder when you're running – you know, that jarring motion from running, uh, and he's a pretty smooth runner, obviously, when you're that fast. But that jarring motion from running, that distracts your view, you know, and, and you have to learn to, to run in a way, you know, as, as your gait is, for lack of a better term, soft, as soft as possible so as not to distract you. So I, I think there are lots of issues to get into all that when you're not a natural outfielder, and he was not a natural outfielder. He came up as an infielder. So, right. uh, so yeah, there's a lot of things he has to learn, and, and, he, and he is doing it, and that's the – the great thing about Delano that I, that I like about him anyway is that he's he's really embraced all that and and uh, and and really wants to be better, wants to be really good, and uh, and and you you can argue, uh, you know, the guy was a first pick, you know, the first round pick. He he should already have a lot of these things, uh, you know, filed away, uh, and maybe there's some validity to that. But I do like the fact that he has embraced it and, and wants to be a really good player. Now now what he needs to work on is get his offense back in shape. Because uh, I'm wondering if the emphasis he has put on defense is is now kept him, or at least caused him to regress a little bit offensively. Uh, you know, I still go back to thinking that he he really got into a bad stretch and, and got out of his game in uh, uh, you know inexplicably in in June or from kind of mid May through through mid June. Um, he has. Uh, he's slowly uh, 
kind of built the the average and uh, and the on base back over the last month. Um, but it, it's not where you want it to be. It's not where it needs to be. This is the guy who needs to be on base about thirty four percent of the time, at least. Um, and you know, it, it, he's taken more walks again. I, I think the biggest thing was that in in May. Uh, he just struck out a ton. He was trying to make too many things happen um, with the swing of the bat and just couldn't do it. Yeah. Evan, so what's up next on the – so now that the family's going home, you know, and you, I guess you had all the lobster. They hope. Possibly, they hope, yeah. They, so, they hope. So, so you've already had think, all the lobster you can eat? I don't think I don't think Gina's very happy with me right now. Oh, no. What went wrong? What happened? Well, I think she's annoyed that the flight has been delayed this long. And <laughs> and um, she's blaming you for that? And that I've kind of been, like, ushering her out of the room because I was afraid that there was going to be too much chatter in the room while I was uh, doing the podcast. Because, you know, Kevin, we run a very professional ship, and it's got to be absolute quiet and silence yeah. uh, when we yeah. do the show. Yeah, right. I have to concentrate. You have to concentrate. Any background noise would, would create a real dip in our audience. Yeah, yeah, uh, a real dip in our audience. Who's the dip? <laughs> I don't know, Kevin. Uh, I, I know this is this has been a a unique version of the of the Baldy podcast. Um, I've never quite done it in front of a live studio audience. I'm sure. I'm, well, they're somewhat alive. I'm, I'm sure it's going to get rave reviews in my household. I wonder. I wonder if we can count um, the three of them as like actual listens this week. Can we just add that to our 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 numbers? Listen, for the week? whatever gets our metrics going, I'm all for it. You know, I'm, metrics, baby. That's where it's at. Oh, so man. yeah. I mean, they're they're going to leave this afternoon. I don't know if, how much lobster I've got left in me. I've eaten uh, I've eaten two lobsters, and then I've had one, two, three, three lobster rolls. So I've I've averaged about some type of lobster intake. At least once a day for five days. So um, wow, I am, uh, wow. Yeah, my um, my pincher claw is growing nicely here, and um, <laughs> I think if you drop me in some scalding water, I'd, I'd turn red pretty quickly. Listen, and we're all for that. Uh, we can drop you in some scalding water. I think that sounds like a I, fabulous I, idea. I I think um, I would be too. I, I think I would serve the world much better probably as an actual lobster. <laughs> Um, well, Evan, you're have gonna, a nice are, are you going to hard be, chill? Yeah, yeah. So, you going to be back in the studio next week? Um, yeah, I think I will, Kevin. I uh, that's the All Star break. I think I should be back in the studio. Yeah, um, uh, we can have a we can have another hodgepodge. I'll come up with some some other hodgepodgey uh, topics for us to to go over, so that you can then force them down my throat in a um, very down the line, linear. You know, instead of the nice kind of meandering conversation that that would bring in the big time listeners and spike the ratings, we can just go down it like like a legal path. Well, I mean, you're the one that put them up there by number. I was just trying to follow the script. I'll, I will have to say, I mean, I'm going to be on vacation next week. I, I won't be with us. 
or with you? So let me let me go over with you. She asked me if I was going to be with you next week. No, 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 no. I said, are you going to be in the studio next week? I see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be in the studio by myself. Um, it should be a great show. Oh, I think that maybe uh, David Moore will be back from his wanderings uh, and uh, can stand sit in here and, and talk Cowboys with you, uh, you know, getting ready for training camp. Boy, there's nothing like training camp in July, is there? Um, that would be the NFL. Yes, that would be the NFL, yes. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how excited I am for, for that to start. No, I, I, I have no idea what to make of the Cowboys season at this point in time. Um, I'm, sure it, it, I'm, I'm sure there will be lots more anticipation than there was about this Ranger season. Um, yeah, I'll I don't say. think there was... Yeah, I mean, you know, when you've got you've got some issues with that team, but you, you've got two young stars in, in Prescott and Elliott, and and I think that that will be the big focus of our coverage at, at training camp. And I don't know that you know you had that kind of optimism about this team at any real point during the off season. No, Evan, we didn't, and we probably are not going to have much optimism about them next year, or maybe even in 2020 for that matter. But by 2020, we'll be, we'll be optimistic about the fact that if you go to a game, you will not melt into your seat. That's correct, and we'll be hopefully um, I'll still be around with you in 2020. Yeah, hopefully we'll all still be around. That'd be great, wouldn't it? It would be lovely. It would be lovely. Well, Evan, listen, uh, I, I think I'm going to do your uh, your family a favor. I'm going to I'm going to just say that's enough, and you can go you can go away, and uh, and I'll close this thing out here because uh, I have some things I want to say about you that I don't want you to hear. That'd be good, Kevin. It's it's always best for for, for I don't know what the heck I'm trying to say, um, but uh, <laughs> I think um, I think I've probably dug myself a deep enough hole here, so I will yeah. uh, I will. Uh, leave you and then try to excavate it, um, excavate myself from it. Yes, Mr. Excavation. Thank you very much. There he goes, everybody. Evan Grant, uh, back to the family, back to the lobster mill. Uh, and it, it's been great having him on here once again. All, always great to have Evan on with us. So that's our Rangers podcast uh, for this week. That's our only podcast for this week. Um, we were uh, we we ran into little issues trying to put together a couple of other ones, uh, but we we promise that next week we'll be back with at least two, maybe three, who knows, maybe four or five podcasts. We'll just bury you under this stuff. Um, and anyway, and until then, from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks for listening, and we'll see you. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.